1: in the first days of, of the war, um, there was aircraft overhead missile attacks, there was like pandemonium. Everyone was trying to figure out what is going on and where is safe. So now the threat from the north physically has left, but with the kamikaze drone attacks and also the cruise missiles and, and other strategic missiles that get fired from the bombers, there's no place in Ukraine that is safe.
0: Welcome to Real Faith. Conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through. Helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's real people, real life and real faith
2: with Eric Scatterbo. Ukraine was invaded by Russia on the 24th of February, 2022. Today's conversation is being recorded on the 23rd of February, 2023, on the eve of the one-year anniversary of the start of the war. My guest today is in Ukraine. He's Pastor Wayne Shek, who originally went there when he was almost 18 years old with the intention of only staying a year to do ministry work. However, God had other ideas, and he has now been in Ukraine for over 29 years. He'll share his story with us today and what it's like doing ministry in a war-torn country. Wayne Sheck, welcome to the program.
1: G'day, and uh, yeah, Wayne from Ukraine. I'm happy to be
2: here with you. So glad to have you with us. And what is the mood in the country like at the moment on the eve of the one-year anniversary?
1: Oh, mate, so many so many emotions at the moment. hmm uh, having withstood a year now of uh, what was supposed to be a three-day invasion that was going to you know, be over in a, in a couple of weeks, be a walkover. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot has happened. And now we've gone on for an entire year and we've gone through multiple stages of emotions and our, our, our lives have been turned upside down multiple times. So different people have different emotions. Uh, one is uh, the Ukraine is... Being called for a, a day of prayer and fasting mm-hmm. uh, for tomorrow. Um, in some some people think dates are important, and uh, we've seen in the past that uh, missile strikes around the country are um, are a distinct possibility. So there's that preparing mm-hmm. sort of, sort of like bracing yeah. for that. But but there's also the um, the other thoughts that uh, Ukraine has withstood for so long. How long will this last? How long does it need to last? But mm. also that the Ukrainian people, uh, who have inspired the world over the last year, they have to continue to live in this world of um, yeah ambiguity or you know the, this this whole situation. And we're coming out of a very tough winter with the missile strikes taking out mm-hmm. infrastructure for power and and heating and that. So uh the the mood is on the up why because the sun is out it's just <laughs> having light uh we've got a few days left of winter but it's God's miraculously given us a a, a much warmer winter uh, than anyone ever expected which yeah. really changed um the situation significantly for people that only had power you know a couple hours a day but now when the sun comes out and you can see that spring is coming yeah um it really does play on uh, on your emotions. So we're we're today the sun is out and we're just soaking that in and giving thanks to God.
2: Amen. Now, where exactly are you in Ukraine?
1: So um, Kharkiv is a small uh, regional town about an hour south of Kiev, the capital. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people never knew, never used to know where Ukraine is. Now they know where Ukraine is. Oh so,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: So we're just. We're on the southern corridor, which was the escape corridor for um, people fleeing from Kiev when the Russians first attacked. So mm. we're on the safe side, on the south side, and uh, it uh, we're we're so glad that that was our place because many people just you know half an hour drive from here had a very very different uh, story mm. when the war began. Yeah.
2: So, is it safe where you are? I mean. Is there the potential for bombs to drop in your neighborhood at any time?
1: So not bombs. So in the first days of of the war, um, there was aircraft overhead, missile attacks. There was like pandemonium. It like everyone was trying to figure out where what is going on and where is safe. Mm -hmm. So now um, the threat from the north has been physically has left. But uh, so there's no there's no aircraft or there's no enemy aircraft that fly over. Okay. Uh, us. Mm-hmm. However, um, with the, the kamikaze drone attacks and mm-hmm. also the cruise missiles and, and other strategic missiles that get fired from the bombers, um, there's no place in Ukraine that is that is safe. Any place mm. can be hit. And so um, we, in our region, leading up to Kiev, where the drones would fly through, you know, we, uh, there are different corridors. Uh, as they are trying to find the best way to avoid air defences. So we do hear air defence systems working nearby, explosions. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a, a, a thunder of like a, a rolling thunder of, of of missiles going off. And uh, we also have apps on our phone that if you see or hear a drone or enemy activity, you can plug into the system and inform. So we're in a safe place. Mm-hmm. We have not had an aerial attack on our location, um, since the first weeks of the war. Oh, okay. uh, so we're, we're in a safe place. Um, but uh, the 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 missiles that fly over, um, I'm sure you've seen the news where mm-hmm. um, both residential and power structure are hit. So those are nearby. So anything is possible.
2: And obviously, we're talking to you on the internet. So you have internet there.
1: Yes, it's been an amazing time when, when we were being so I work with uh, Operation Mobilization, mm-hmm. with OS, and uh, they have an amazing crisis department. You also need to know this is, while I've been in Ukraine, and we'll talk more about history in a, in a minute, but mm-hmm. this is, we've had two revolutions, we've had an annexation, we've had two wars now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a little bit of an understanding of uh, living in a, in a crisis. But OM has had experience for more than three decades uh, in crisis areas. Mm -hmm. Many of the places that don't have vibrant communities of Jesus followers, uh, they are uh, places of crisis. So um, we have a lot of expertise there. And the crisis department was briefing us and preparing us in the lead up to the possible invasion, which, of course, the insanity actually did begin. And now we've been living in it.
2: So at any point during our conversation, you notified me that uh, potentially the power will go out?
1: Uh, yes, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely possible. So um, many places around the, after a major missile strike, quite often the grid will totally turn off. Mm. Sometimes they do that preemptively. And now with the switching over of the power lines and, and, and other things, and of course, any missile attack, um, we may lose our power. So uh, just hang on there, and we'll go and switch over to our uh, hybrid solar s- system that God um, oh, He impressed upon me to install right before we finished oh. installing it, right before the first missile attacks in, oh, in wow. October. Yeah. So, uh, so some of the guys that installed the system are actually volunteers in the military, mm-hmm. and on the side, they're trying to run their businesses, and... Mm-hmm and the solar guys uh, were able to get their act together and come and install the system and then a couple days later the missiles came and it's like oh god thank you so much that wow having light and then having the internet is amazing it it, it really does um uh, add layers of you know of, of comfort uh and of stability to your life so in the lead up to the war as i was saying um, we were prepared, you know, what will happen? What are the contingency plans? And we thought that logically they're going to take out the power stations, the internet, mm-hmm. the banking, and uh, miraculously that didn't happen. So for the whole year, basically, we've had the internet. If, if you can power yourself, uh, then uh, we've, uh, we've been able to communicate with the world.
2: Oh, that's great.
1: That's worked in Ukraine's favor, and it's also worked in the Christians' favor and anyone trying to do something uh, in the country.
2: Our guest today is Pastor Wayne Shek, who's in Ukraine and originally went there when he was almost 18 years old. We'll hear more of his story, including his background, when we return right here on Real Faith.
0: The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional, designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au.
2: Welcome back. I'm Eric Skadovo, and today my guest is Pastor Wayne Sheck, who's joining us from Ukraine and has been serving as a missionary there for over 29 years. Today he's sharing his life journey and how the Lord led him to Ukraine for what was supposed to be just one year of ministry service. We'll find out what happened as Wayne continues to share his story. Okay, well, we want to learn more about what life is like on a day-to-day basis in Ukraine. But first, we want to find out a little bit about your life and what led you to going to Ukraine. So where did it all begin for you?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, the story uh, of um, you know, the missionary calling is quite interesting. Um, I, when people ask me this uh, in Russian or Ukrainian, I say that God has a sense of humor So I always wanted to be a fighter pilot in the Royal Australian Air Force ever since I was a kid. And where did you grow up? I grew up in Harvey Bay, uh, Queensland. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's my hometown. Dad was uh, in the army. He worked for um, the Royal Australian. He he used to joke saying the easy money earners, but it was the electrical mechanical engineers. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, so I was born in Townsville when he was in uh, in the army. And then after he... um, got out of the army. We moved to the, the the rural part around Harvey Bay, and that's where I grew up and had all my schooling. So, it was a a totally different world, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I studied well, played cricket as a kid. I was a suicidal cricket player.
2: <laughs> so, were you raised in a Christian family?
1: Yep. Raised in a Christian family. Um their family history is that in the 1860s or so, from Eastern Europe, Prussia, Poland area, um, our ancestors got on a boat and some went to North America and others uh, came to Australia. And so that was a Lutheran area. Um, as, as hard as it is for Ukrainians to understand, there were people back in, in the 1850s, 1860s that decided there was no future in Europe. And so you've got to get out. And mm. so, um, one boat came to Australia. So the legend goes: Christian family, Christian upbringing. Um, looking back, um, you know, you you can criticize your parents about certain things, but when you look back, when you're a father, uh, you see how much uh, your parents tried to do with what they had, and they mm-hmm. certainly yeah. honored God and and lived lives of of faith, and that that certainly laid a foundation for me. But um, the time came after I graduated from, from high school that uh, I entered the, I was in the process of entering the uh, Royal Australian uh, Defence Force Academy.
2: Now, were you a Christian at this point? I was I was
1: a Christian, but my plan was, uh, you know, everyone's got their own uh, theological issues. And one mm. was, God, you've created me to be a fighter pilot. Therefore, you should be helping me to get this, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, I got the chicken pox um while going through the medical so uh, you know i've got all these spots on me and they said come back three weeks later i came back three weeks later and by then when i did the scholastic test they said we've got we've already chosen everyone that we want this year come back next year Hmm. so i could see some supernatural Uh, hand in this situation, Mm -hmm. Um, okay, God, this isn't really fair, but I'll do a deal with you. At least that's what I thought we did. I thought we did a deal. And uh, I gave God a year of my life and uh, came very quickly to to Ukraine.
2: Yeah, why did you pick uh, Ukraine? What was it about Ukraine?
1: So um, in this time of I've got a year to do something for God, what can I do? Um, it just there were just uh, a number of um, different so-called coincidental events that uh, put me in contact with uh, people that were in Ukraine. It was the same schooling program. Uh, they were looking for young volunteers, and I fit the bill and it's like, okay, I'll jump on board and give God a, a year of my life in, as it turns out, this uh, ancient but very young, country that's just received its uh its independence back in 1991 I turned up a year and a half after Ukraine became independent so Ukraine was like the wild west it was mm. a it was so many opportunities it was certainly out of the box and when you're out of your comfort zone and when you're seeking and you're trying to give God glory and you're seeing what he does in people's lives um that certainly doesn't fit into your yeah your limited understanding of how things the world, the world works, then you want more. And so after after one year, i I it became apparent I needed to stay for two, and uh, it was during that uh, second year that yeah you know, the Lord really helped me to start to to snip the strings that were attached to my service, that God was doing a better job um, looking after me and directing me, changing me than uh if i actually uh, became what i want what i thought that i wanted to become now i definitely wanted to become a fighter pilot but many years later um i can say i'm thankful to god that i never became what i wanted and that Mm. he has opened up so many opportunities and yeah this was prepared by the lord for me to be here Mm -hmm. over this entire time where ukraine has been struggling forward trying to find its place in the world and the gospel is there's never been a reformation here. Hmm. So we are from countries like with the Western countries, many of them who have reaped the benefits of generations of spiritual decisions that were made by our forefathers. And mm-hmm. we continue to, reach to, to reap those dividends. But there are other places in the world where that has never happened. And uh, you come to a place that's falling apart, that, w- that never worked well, that uh, has its own major issues and you see how the gospel can um, transform lives and communities and even the faiths uh, the fate of of a nation so that's something that i that's what in wanting to be a fighter pilot i wanted excitement i wanted adventure but i wanted something that i could devote my life to that was going to be worth something
2: yeah well it sounds like god said okay you want an adventure i'll give you an adventure yeah, I
1: think that, uh, it, yeah, he doesn't respond that way. I think that it was planned. <laughs> he knew <laughs> us before, before the creation of the world. He yeah. had the, yeah. the things that he had planned for us to do, and this was like, it was more of it was more of me waking up to the real adventure that, that God wanted. Yeah. But having said that, it's not like an action adventure movie where, you know, you paid money and you can watch the, the people go through it, but you know in the end that everything's going to work out well. Uh, for the hero, when you're in real life, uh, you're 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 mixed in to that situation, and oh, yeah. you can uh, yeah. you can only see it from from where you, ha- you you know where you are, and there are transformational things that uh, only happen through really tough times of seeking and mm-hmm. um, being mm-hmm. in circumstances that um, draw out the best and the worst in us, and so the Ukraine experience has you know, looking back, it has not been a dull life, but it has been um, certainly full of, um, yeah, really heavy, um, powerful and, yeah, transformational stuff.
2: So you were there, obviously over time, your heart just went out for the Ukrainian people. Uh, any other things that just caused you to fall in love with living there?
1: Well, uh, fall in love, uh, love is an amazing thing. And, um, after two years, uh, I came back uh, to Australia, but knew that I had to return for a third year, and that's when um, I met my uh, future wife. Beautiful. Oh, Ukrainian. so there's love
2: of another kind.
1: Oh yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, tell us the love story. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So, um, my wife's name's Olya, and she's Ukrainian, and uh, we have four Ukrainian sons. And yeah, so uh, what what can I say about that? I was my the schooling program had closed. we were We were working in a church in Kiev, and the um the pastor uh, calls me in, uh, says there's some there's some young ladies that need to be baptized. and I'm um, like, well, I'm just I'm, my Russian is just getting good enough to lead a very basic Bible study lessons mm-hmm. for new believers. you know, mm-hmm. welcome to the family of God. What is the Bible? Who is the Holy Spirit? and then finishing on on baptism. And so, I'm called in, and uh, suddenly I'm there, and there's a, a group of young ladies that have been, they got saved through the InterVarsity IFES mm-hmm. student movement, mm-hmm. and uh, they were looking uh, for church to plug into, and they were looking for um, to be baptized. Mm-hmm. And so, that's how I met Olya, my future wife. She uh, became the contact for that group, and I became the contact for the church. And uh, yeah, the, the, the rest is history. But um, she was a, a a translator, interpreter for, that was her study that she was doing. And mm-hmm. uh, she had a, a a job on the side. She was working in the Ministry of Nuclear Safety. So she was the educated one um, in, in the family. And then yeah. when I proposed to her, she left that and came to the small town that we're currently in called Kaharulik. And that was a big change for her. So... For foreigners, everything is foreign. Therefore, what's the difference? Um, But for (laughs) Ukrainians who flee from the village to go towards something that has a future, you know, there's a big drain from the the villages. So uh, for her, it was definitely not a naive decision. Um, She knew what she was getting into. And she's done amazingly well during these more than 20 years of us uh, ministering in this town. But we are now looking for it uh for the next stage and have been uh, preparing for that for a number of years but mm-hmm. when you've got something so massive like the war um that everything is war ministry at the moment and yeah. ukraine's fight for survival um and the transformation that is happening in the ukrainian people to be here and to mourn with those that are mourning and suffer with those that are suffering just to be with them during this time and as God opens a chance. You get to speak also.
2: Okay. Well, we want to get to what life has been like since the war began, but let's back up a little bit and find out what was ministry like before the war started, you know, for about 20 years, what type of ministry have you been doing?
1: So um, from Kiev, I uh, became part of a ministry team that uh, wanted to see the gospel spread further from the capital. Mm -hmm. And so an hour away uh, seemed like a reasonable start, so we came to Kagarlik with a with a group. I was the advanced party. The rest couldn't get a place to live for the first six months, so I was here. Um, later on, we discovered it was the mayor of the city that actually found a way for us to to get an apartment to stay in. Oh, okay. um, we were the first ever foreigners to come, and uh, we immediately clashed with the regional government, which was still, still communist, although they'd changed their you Know the label hmm. um, that it's now a democratic country, so that was a big. Um, the first few years in Kagodalik was, um, uh, on certain levels, different wrangling and struggling and, and fear amongst the local people.
2: Well, well, do you have freedom to do ministry there? Oh, we do, absolutely.
1: Uh, we, I mean, we we absolutely so in the 90s, Ukraine was like the crusade capital of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, It just happens to be that in our location, the local region, like, uh, was uh, sort of its own little kingdom, and Mm. we just happened to come to this place. And as we're growing in understanding, so one of the, to compare it to other places, you would go and you'd do an evangelistic concert, and afterwards you would call people to repent, and out of that, uh, basically a church was born, or our second concert, finished with uh, the regional government um calling the, the the militia in surrounding the building and, and canceling oh. the concert and then interrogating the foreigners and, and the churches that had mistakenly overstepped their mark so to speak um by not you know uh, it was uh, it was a crazy time but you're saying that was
2: unique to your area
1: yes um well I can't say unique yeah it was in stark contrast to the people that we were working with who were, um, yeah, this was their church planning strategy. And, uh, you know, you end up with a whole bunch of uh, sort of like uh, on the day of Pentecost, what do you do with all these baby Christians sort of thing? So that's how you you start from from scratch. Whereas, yeah, in our situation, we ran into a a wall and yet we felt that God wasn't calling us somewhere else. And Mm -hmm. so we stayed and it took four years to register the church. And then um, before that, The registration happened. Um, The founding pastor went back to Australia on furlough, left me in charge. And then a few months later writes me an email saying he's not returning to be the pastor. Oh, no. So in a way, I thought I did a deal with God to become a missionary. And uh, uh, there you go. I think that he um, tricked me there somewhat. (laughs) Once Um, again. (laughs) Yeah, and, and and now to become a pastor, I had a list of things that I never wanted to be as a kid. You know, one was a one was a missionary, one was a um, a school teacher, and is definitely not a pastor. So suddenly, I scratch all those ones off the list, and and there you are, seeing God uh, work, and you see uh, what He does through faithfulness and the work of, of His Spirit. So I became the pastor. He miraculously got us a facility right in the center of town. Um, Anyone who knows the local town knows that people like me didn't acquire facilities like this in places like this at times like that, especially with no money and no government contacts. So Mm -hmm. when you see God strategically doing something um, that he's doing something, but it's different from what he's doing in other places, then it's like, okay, Lord, we're going to stay and do the deep and hard work. Um, you love these people and you want to establish something here. So that's what it's been 20 something years of faithfulness to the local people mm-hmm. and the last few years we've been trying to uh, hand over leadership to the locals because in the end every it, it's got to be a locally uh alive sustaining um I mean Jesus is our is our sustenance but um mm-hmm. you know there has to be lo- local leadership and so yeah. we've been working towards that. And, and it hasn't been an easy road because we have been the stability, but mm. we're still here and I've actually now handed over the leadership of the church to the local congregation. Oh, okay. And uh, we're still working through what that would look like, but that's happened uh, COVID and now oh, yeah. Um, yeah. the war. Yeah. And um, it's it has not been an easy time uh, for, for anyone, but yeah, um, yeah we're still We're still here. We love the Ukrainian people and and God wants us to uh, continue to be here at this
2: time. Well, that was part one of my conversation with Pastor Wayne Shecht, who joined us from Ukraine, where he's been serving as a missionary with Operation Mobilization for over 29 years. To find out more about OM and the work they're doing in Ukraine and other parts of the world, their website is om.org.au. Once again, that's om.org.au. Well, thank you so much for joining us for part one of our conversation with Wayne Scheck. And until next time, when we'll hear more of his story, I'm Eric Scadabo, So long, and God bless.
0: You've been listening to Real Faith. And if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a message through our website, realfaith.org.au. That's
2: realfaith.org.au